truly. So good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome, Julie Schnepp. Um, Tim Schnepp is not available. He is fighting crime. Um, and by fighting crime, I mean he's fighting COVID. He's fighting COVID. Uh, so one of the things I actually had on my list was about he his. He doesn't have COVID. He doesn't, no. He does he not fights have COVID. For he us. is running on an ambulance. Yes, transporting people. And he's been doing that since the 80s. 1983, from what I read, was his first year. He, he was the second class for Pendleton for the EMT program. The rookie program? Mm-hmm, the high school rookie program. Man. He was the second class. I didn't even realize yeah. that they had it that long ago. Yep. And then they, uh, he was, at age 21, he became fireman for Pendleton and has served ever since. So That's pretty admirable it's always been a volunteer fire department always yeah still is today that's why we can afford such beautiful equipment is what they tell me well the funniest thing i remember is we lived about a block away from the fire station and he was so excited we're standing outside the pager goes off for his first fire run and he jumps in the truck and he only has a block to go to the fire station and he didn't make the first truck he's like what how's that happen this fire department is so fast and so good. Yeah, they um, love it. They, they eat it up. It. They, they eat, eat yeah. it up. Yeah. So. Which, it is community involvement. It is volunteerism. It's all the good things, but it's that adrenaline rush. It's that helping your neighbor. And Absolutely. We're, our building, obviously, is right next door, so all we do is hear sirens and sirens oh, yeah. of kids. Absolutely. But you hear, you hear them quick. Well, and when I was a kid, I grew up just a half a block from here, and we would hear the actual siren because there were no pagers, and they would just blare the actual oh, siren. Oh, then everybody had to come and around? Then everyone it's like a dinner bell? Yes, yes. Isn't that <laughs> so crazy? It's totally different, yeah. Yeah, the advancements in that, I imagine if Tim was here, we could ask him what all has changed in, mm-hmm. in the fire department over a time. Lot. A lot. And they do a really good job of holding the history of that department. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, they do the parades. They bring that old fire truck out. You can see it through the big glass window. And yeah. Well, sorry that Tim couldn't come. Um, no. Some of these questions were kind of geared for a little banter back and forth mm-hmm. between the two oh, of you. So you'll have well, to. I'll banter without him. He'll call in, right? Yeah. Yes. You're twelve steps ahead. So you twelve both, steps ahead. Use both voices. So I had um, Tim graduated in nineteen eighty. Four from Pendleton Heights High School. With me. Did you also graduate in 1984? Yes. So you guys were high school sweethearts? No, we weren't. So you guys were friends? So Tim and I have been pretty much together since second grade. So we <laughs> literally, that was when all the kids in the neighborhood played together every day. The parents kicked you out of the house. So there was a vacant lot right across the street from his house behind Donnie Meyer's house. Mm-hmm. And so all of us kids would play there. And so we basically were the neighborhood kids. There was a group of us. So we always did everything together. And then as we got through high school, um, we always double dated, but we never dated each other. So we've just done everything together. And then after high school, we got together. So it's kind of a weird story, but yeah. So after high school, you were doing what? So after high school... Um, Go play volleyball somewhere? I played volleyball for IU. Um, I was... I was the first female who signed a Big Ten scholarship for Pendleton, and then my mm-hmm. classmates signed right after me, so yep. I can... You were still second. first. I was yeah. still first because they were second. But anyway, so I played volleyball for IU, and um, when the girls still played in in the big assembly hall arena, and now oh, they wow. don't do that, so that was kind of fun. So I got to play in every Big Ten gym before they didn't allow the girls in the men's gym anymore, So mm-hmm. which was really fun. 
Well, nice to see that they were progressing backwards. Yes, they, were, <laughs> they told them, here, we're so excited for you. We're going to give you your own tiny little gem. Yeah, for so, all your smaller yes. crowds. Thank you. So Thank I got you. to meet Bobby Knight. I was there on the floor when Bobby Knight threw the chair. So oh, wow. I stayed in the dorm with uh, Steve, not with them, but we had the same yeah. door as uh, Steve Alford and uh, Dan Dokovich, and all those guys played when I was Crazy. there. So, yeah, so we've done some fun stuff. Oh, no way. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's just ask Bob Nett questions for the next 45 yes. minutes. So, I got to meet him one-on-one on one alone in Assembly Hall one night after like? practice. I was, he just coached the Olympics, and I was terrified because it was just me, and I was tired, and I look up, and there's Bobby Knight walking at me, and I'm like, what am I going to do? And I put my head down. You know, I'm 18 years old. I'm scared to death. And I just put my head down and picked up my bag because I was dragging it, and, and he's like, hey, and I'm like, Hey. You're talking to me. Yeah. And so he just asked me how my season was and encouraged us and was just super sweet. Um, and he was just so nice and just had great things to say. But every time we traveled and we came home, didn't matter if it was one, two, three in the morning, Bobby Knight was at Assembly Hall. Working. Didn't matter. Working. It's always there working. So would you say that's where you learned most of your work ethic? Not necessarily Bobby Knight, but um, being an athlete? At age four. Is when I work, got my work ethic. My dad, all this swam. I was I'm the youngest of six kids in eight years, and so my dad was serious uh, sports enthusiast, and we all started out as swimmers. He went to practice with us, and and you you practice hard. Everything we did, you go hard or go home. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so I started at four competing for swimming, and then just went from there. So well, how has that carried into today? So, I think everything you do, um, the one, and I coached a lot. I coached when my kids were going through, and I coached a ton of kids at varsity level, little league, everything in between. And the one thing I notice is there can be great athletes that are taught to be great athletes, and then there's just naturally competitive people. So, like, I don't, when I played sports, I didn't even want you to beat me to the drinking fountain. So, I have some natural instinct. And um, I think there are athletes that have um, learned and good skills, but maybe aren't naturally aggressive. So, and they can just be as equally as good. It's just a different way of getting there. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's the difference? Do you think between true success, that D1 level athlete versus somebody that, you know, the, the biggest thing now, um, I coach high school wrestling at Lapel High School. So the, the struggle that I see in kids is the ones that do have that competitive drive mm-hmm. or they do have the talent to do it, mm-hmm. there's always the thing missing. There's always, right. it's an it factor, truly. It's in the heart. It's in the heart. And I remember um, when I did track um, and Coach Sean Rhodes, who's one of the best coaches Pendleton's had, I think, um, other than Mary Ruth, I think she was probably the best, but um, he, um, we would do practice because I was a sprinter. And then when the sprinters and everybody left, then coach and I would stay another hour. So, and then we would work on shot and discus and things like that. And so I think the people um, who, it wasn't their fault they went home, they, you know, that was what the coach told them to do, but I think the ones that do a lot when no one's looking, and then they're like, whoa, how'd she get so good? Or, oh, how'd they get so good? It's because they worked at it, mm-hmm. you know? It takes a lot of work, um, it, everybody laughs, I'm usually the first one in. I like to get in the office super early. I love to get in the office early. And people, if I'm not at the office, they'll be like, 
two days in a row you weren't at the office. Where were you? And I'm like, you're really watching? So people know your patterns, you know. So I like to get in early before anyone's in the office. And I like to get everything kind of set up for myself and get some stuff done before anyone comes in. And, uh, um, and Tim's on a different pace. Tim likes to come in a little bit later, and he likes to stay later. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, his... You know, he's not as much of an early bird as I am, so we kind of have a different little pattern there. But I just think you're either a self-starter. I think if you're self-employed and you're not a self-starter, it's a struggle. It's it's hard to learn that. Yes. Yeah, you can't learn that. Once you're already in the position to be a business owner. Right. You either got it or you don't, or you got to figure out how to make it work. Well, I mean, during COVID, you know, they shut my office down. I mean, we were essential. I had a secretary who had COVID, was out five weeks, who does, she's been with me 13 years, she does everything. And then, um, you know, we have a lot of agents who have family members who are high risk, so they couldn't be out. And, you know, Tim and I are working 10, 12 hour days, kind of compensating for everyone. And, you know, people think, oh, it's COVID, we're just going to hide at home. And, you know, and, and they were able to, thank goodness, and I'm happy for them. But for us, we were working long, hard days, um, trying to take care of the customer, trying to keep everyone safe. And so I think it's different. Some people would have just said, no, I'm not doing that. It's too scary, it's too hard, or whatever. But um, you know, you have a customer who has a need. Gotta fill it. You gotta fill it. And our biggest thing was keeping them safe. You know, it was our biggest worry. Really didn't come from, we were more afraid because we didn't have any masks, we didn't have any gloves, we didn't have any hand sanitizer, we didn't have anything. We were more worried about keeping everyone safe, but it, it worked out, so it was fine. When you've never experienced something, you don't really know what you need. And do you think that's why so many people decided that toilet paper was the need? I don't know about you, I don't know about your family, but the amount of toilet paper that you go through really isn't... Isn't that much. Yeah, the it average isn't that much. And I, I don't know. Now, we were, we're fine because luckily we have... An office that had stuff. Well, plenty of we, had, we were good. We were totally good. So it was it was a different time. But hand sanitizer, we'll never run out of that again. I can tell you that right now. You guys are all stocked up. All stocked up. We're so, we're good. Congratulations and, to Purell for making out like a bandit between oh them and 3M. I think. Oh my gosh. Some of the richest companies in the world now. The well, the thing that freaked me out the most is there was some kind of a weird video showing that the mask that we're all wearing being it was kind of probably not a, a real one, but being made on a dirty floor. Like someone's just sitting there sewing them, and I was thinking, oh my gosh. But yeah, people made, you know, all talking to all business owners during COVID, because I'm the president of PBA, mm-hmm. and so we were getting phone calls from the ones who were doing well, the phone calls from the ones who were struggling, people who need this, who need this, and we were able to kind of fit some needs. You know, we have more, and they don't have any, and, and there was a lot of that conversation going. And some of our businesses have just doubled and tripled their companies. And some of our businesses are still hurting and are going to have a tough winter. So it was profitable for some and very difficult for some. Those who can grow and adapt during hard times, Mm -hmm. saying to your competitive spirit, I feel like are better positioned themselves for the future. Don't get me wrong, there are some businesses that were affected that had no recourse. Had no choice. They, They had nothing. The way that these shutdowns happen and still are today with regulations. Right. It's a hard business with small margins, and now you're operating at even smaller right. capacity. 
Yeah. I would hate to be in those shoes. So hopefully, after the PPP and the EIDL came through, they had some supplement. They yeah. were able to put some cash in their pockets. Yeah. Um, Julie was actually here uh, probably two or three months ago. We did that Mike and Eve live. Um, and we were able to sit down and kind of talk through the EIDL and PPP stuff for the PBA. It right. was um, on the PBA live page, I think. So... The, the amount of local businesses, and that was what I was going to talk later about, but I'm reading my question out loud. Uh, talk about what the PBA means to you and how um, we as local residents can do more to support. Because I think that's the thing that you did see a lot of. Mm-hmm. You look at the restaurants, how many Absolutely. people decided to do takeout because they received money that they maybe you know didn't need, but they had a little extra wiggle room, so they were able to support locally. What can we do now as things are starting to either tighten back up or people are starting to have higher cases. You know, the one thing I see is the biggest competitor in the Pendleton community against our businesses is not truly another company. So if you had Pizza King and Pizza Hut or you had um, an insurance company or a finance company or all the companies that we could have, it's the it's the one-off, it's the... Um, oh, this person decided to pick an insurance company from Indianapolis. This person decided to go to an eye doctor in Indianapolis. And so um, it's kind of death by a thousand swipes is what kills our local business owner. Mm -hmm. So we have so many people in Pendleton that do an incredible job of supporting local and businesses. But then we have that one person that picked that Indianapolis eye doctor, that one person that picked Indianapolis insurance, and it doesn't feel like a lot because you can't say, well, it was this insurance company that came in and took your insurance business. Yeah. It's, local doesn't kill local. Local It's the one. Them. It's the one that went to India. This one went to India. This one went to India. This one went to Fishers. And that is what hurts our local businesses is that one often you think, oh, that's not a big deal. But it is kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so in the real estate, the biggest competitor I have is the one off is, you know, I live in XYZ neighborhood and I have a friend who is in Greenfield and I'm going to have them sell my home. That Greenfield agent has probably never sold a home in Pendleton, probably never going to sell another one. That's my biggest competitor right there. So they get one transaction that no local company got to have a chance at. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't lose the business, we didn't get a chance at it. So it's talking about at-bats. And so I think that's kind of the same for all um, companies local. Um, and you know, some companies want to stay big and some, I, in my real estate career, I worked at really big companies and, and you know, 25, 30 agents. And that is not my style. And so when we bought our Remax franchise, um, I said, I will not have a, a ton of agent. We get probably two or three new agents a week asked to work for us. And we're like, we just don't, it's just not what I want. Yeah. It's just not where I'm going because of how I started the business. The coolest thing I have right now going, one of my uh, clients who bought their house 27 years ago, we're getting ready to sell their home. They've been in their house 27 years. We've stayed in contact with them for 27 years. Now, that's not a very profitable client there, but, yeah. you know, I mean, that's, you know, kind of cool that I started 28 years ago. This was one of my first clients, and I'm getting to sell their house that they bought, which is kind of fun. But um, get just back to all general businesses, um, people don't really understand if they don't 
give the local companies a chance before they look elsewhere, it really hurts the local economy. And so there had been a downtown business association, which was basically the downtown retailers. Mm -hmm. And they did things to make sure that money came downtown. And then that kind of just went away. We realized that, you know, there was nothing there. There was three of us still paying. And we said, you know, let's, let's make this a real business association. So about four years ago, um, Jack Wilson and Yvonne, uh, myself, and there's, I might have been the three, but there was a fourth one that came in. I'm not, not sure who that was. Said, let's just let's just do this, but let's include doctors and lawyers and attorneys and insurance companies, and let's bring everybody in. So we've had we've worked hard and we've had so much fun, but what we have seen is um, that people really wanted some place to go. So like with Jack Wilson's business. Um, they provide us with the website, which has been super cool. So we kind of have a lot more than we should mm-hmm. because we have a lot of really talented people. So um, it during COVID um, and the business people calling just to know they had somewhere to go. We wrote handwritten notes to every business owner saying, hey, how are you? If I hadn't talked to you, I was writing them notes. Uh, are you okay? What do you need? Um, we were able to get the National Guard in. And we were able to get um, Anita's and the bank restaurant, all those meals from National Guard paid for. So we did a lot of PBA stuff during it. Um, and so anyway, it just, to me, it's the old coach in me that says, if I have one mom and pop that goes out of business on my watch, we didn't do our job. Yeah. And a lot of us really feel that way. Like, you know, we're trying to keep everyone in business here and grow. I mean, we want to grow. And, you know, Scott Resky, the new town manager, has been awesome. He's like, we're all in with businesses. What can we do? Yeah. So look at it from, so I'll be the contrary point there. I'll just play a little devil's advocate in the sense that in not COVID, <laughs> just in general. Mm-hmm. Businesses shut down every single day because they are not viable businesses anymore. Absolutely. The wagon wheel is no longer a viable business option because obviously Absolutely. you are no longer driving right. wagons. Right. Um, there are some things that are just no, no longer profitable. So when right. you say if one business goes out of business, you're not going to let that happen. Businesses that are not viable have to go out of business so other things from death comes rebirth. Right. So I feel, and the only reason I say this is I'm 24 years old mm-hmm. and we're in the downtown sector and we're a small business, is to grow these businesses and give them opportunities and platforms to tell their story and try right. to do that. Rather than just save them, right. you have to give them an opportunity to save themselves. So, and, and I totally agree with that. And, and, and I probably made it too simple. So, for example, like if they can't join PDA, we have sponsors to pay for them. Yeah, absolutely. If they are struggling, then we connect them with the business association that does free services. So we give them all the tools. It's up to them to make it. Yeah. But our job is to give tools. Yeah, absolutely. That's the If they make it, they make it. If they don't, they don't. I can't do I mean, the you know, everybody's flooded the real estate business right now. Everybody's going to be a realtor or insurance agent. Mm-hmm. And so... Not much know, money in insurance, folks. No. And in real estate, um, you know, it's less... It's probably uh, close to 5% of realtors make it the first year. Yeah, same. So it's not, it's not, you know, but they all come in. But when they come in, when they flood in, they take one piece of business, one piece of business, one piece of business. But the moment pops or, um, you know, we have a lot of big companies. I mean, GDC Mortgage is the largest 
lender, and we have them in our PBA, and they've been huge, um, and their business has grown huge. So, I mean, we have to take care of them along with that person who can't pay their dues. Mm-hmm. So, and everything in between. Yeah. We and all support each do. other. Yeah. That's all you can do. And, 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 you know, we're not paid staff. PBA doesn't have any paid staff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're... Everyone's doing what we can do to, you know, we're not having in-person meetings. We're not doing any of that. Nobody wants to do Zoom calls, you know. Yeah. And so everyone's just kind of chilling and doing their own thing. Next year will be better, so. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I think it will be. So to circle back, they canceled Christmas in Pendleton. Mm-hmm. They've now canceled the Fall Festival, obviously, mm-hmm. as well. Um, so that was a big time for downtown real, or retailers, I right. guess. Um, if... People can do anything in this, this, these trying times or whatever you want to call this now. I think the best thing to say is check your local market. You, PBA has a page online. and the, yeah. Facebook and they have a uh, website. website where you can actually find members in certain sectors. And we are connected to the town of Pendleton. So you can look, go to the town of Pendleton and you'll see the connection to PBA. Yeah. Okay. The performance group was on there. And we had to... Remax Legacy's on there. Yeah, that's it. We had to cancel Christmas in Pendleton because people were saying, well, this is happening, this is happening, but our numbers for that parade are, are way above what the, the... We couldn't meet the Board of Health. We couldn't meet the town requirements. We couldn't meet any requirements, um, So, which was really painful to, can, you know, to cancel. So. And that stinks. So... The one thing that they are doing, it looks like, um, for all of those who drive through downtown Pendleton, there's a big banner up right now. The uh, Gobble Wobble 5K mm-hmm. is still up and going. Um, we have three staff members, including myself, that are running yep. in that. I just dropped off, like, stadium seats so that they yep. can put them in goodie bags yesterday. Um, I'm going to try to do it on Facebook Live while we run for three miles, but oh, I'm going to get really tired. I'll be watching up. that. I'll be watching that. Well, you guys might watch it for an hour and a half if I'm running three miles. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I talked to Sarah yesterday. I told her I'd give her a shout out that way that more and more people can try to yeah, get involved. Absolutely. They have about three hundred and fifty. No, she told me two hundred and fifty people. It's a great already. event. Yeah, yeah absolutely, a big event. Every Sports year. local YMCA. So look into that. Um, that being it's said, an athletic event. So when people say, you know, hey, why do they get to have their event? They don't. Because you can't. It's it is an activity. athletic. It's an athletic event. So it's outside. So it's a safe event. Yeah, absolutely. Safe as we could be. You know. So back to you. Enough, well, not enough of Pendleton, because most of this is about Pendleton. Back yes. to you. So in 2001, you started in the real estate business, correct? Actually, in the 90s. 90s? So I started in the early 90s and came out and uh, did some stuff with Tim for a little bit and then went back into it. So I've been selling for about 28 years. So, the, who, so was that your first so job out of school? No. So I taught... So I have a teaching degree. So that's where they all got it. Yes, everyone. My dad was a teacher, and my dad was Notre Dame grad and um, doctor of education. So oh, wow. a lot of... Uh, um, big brains. Big brains, yeah. So a lot of teaching in our family. So, um, and then, and you know, Liam's a teacher, Nick's a Nick's teacher, teacher, all of us are teachers. So anyway, um, so when I, I taught for four years... And then um, had little young family, so I said, I, you know, I want to be home with them. And uh, but my Type A personality didn't want to sit around too much. So Tim was working as a design a design engineer for General Motors. So gear, uh, my best friend Christy Kelly, she was like, Oh, I'm a realtor, but I hate it. I think I'm gonna be an appraiser. And I said, Ah, I think I'll be a realtor. I didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll try that. Can I do it from home? She said, Yeah. So I got my license, and um, 
I went and talked to Gary Dudley, who was the, you know, really the only company in town. Gary says, yeah, come work for me. So I worked for him for about six months, and it was a little slower pace than my type A wanted to be. So um, uh, Etches and Sparks um, starts recruiting me, and uh, Jan, it was Jan, um, her at the time, her daughter and I went to high school together, so she called me. She said, hey, you got to come work for our company. Um, and so I went and talked to them. So it's Jerry Etchison and um, Scott Sparks and Janice Sparks. And so they hired me. So I went to work. And back then, there was nobody in their 20s in real estate. I, there was no humans in, in their 20s. Anyway, I'm like, okay. So they're all kind of laughing at me like, no 20-year-olds are going to make it in the real estate business. But good luck to you. And then I had two small kids. And they're like, yeah, don't bring them in here. I mean, they were nice about it. But it's kind of like, you know, we're all past that yeah and so I told Scott I said well I really want to work from home he goes well people don't work from home and I go but I want to and he's like well how would that work and I go I don't know so I put a private line in my house which nobody had which is still my office number today today. and um had a you know wireless phone and all that kind of stuff no cell phones yet and I'd sit out on the deck and make my phone calls and do that the kids would be swimming and um, I just from day one made it about a family business like if Tim wasn't around and I had to show a house the kids went with mm-hmm. and we just never had daycare we just never would. and um, it was funny because this client we're going to sell a house she goes I remember Leanne crawling on that fireplace right there and so anyway um, the first year I was the uh, uh, the rookie of the year for all of the um, it was a brand name company and nationwide and so we went to this awards, and Tim says, well, Scott, is it working out okay that Julie's working from home? He goes, yep, she's doing fine. Just leave her alone. Just let her go. And, and so I think for them, they had never experienced a mom working from home, and I didn't know how it was going to work. It probably worked out well because I'm a worker. Um, and so anyway, that's how it kind of started. Um, so sometimes the kids would go with me on showing. Sometimes they would go, I mean, they go into the office with me or whatever. Um, but we just were committed to not having daycare. Not that we're against it. We just didn't want daycare for our kids. Um, and then Tim worked third shift, so we were, it just worked out. It was great. It was fun. Now, we didn't work as hard then as we do now because time. Yeah. You know, we were not, back then, if you were doing four or five million, you were killing it. Now, you'd be like, oh, you did four or five million. You know, that would yeah. be much. Has comp changed that much to where that's the difference? Has what? Comp, like, um, how much yeah no like how much money you're making per house like four or five million if it's not that much like are you just making less money yourself well the average sale price has gone way up yeah i mean you think about back then i mean four or five million is a lot of houses it's a lot of houses and back then you had to go to the company and pick up a key pick up that house key go show that house and take that key back and then you have to write all your contracts in do and in originals and you had to hand carry originals so you physically couldn't do very much because it took so much time um and we you know so anyway so it's kind of evolved a lot and okay i'm gonna tell you the one thing things that people don't think about um when people negotiate with real estate these are things i really see the difference so i love to negotiate tell being told no doesn't bother me at all i don't even take it personal um but when you say you want to buy a house and you make an offer and you're like oh this is great and then our company counters you 
And then you just walk away. And I'm like, where'd you go? What, what are you doing? Like, you didn't want the house or what? People literally, if they get countered, they just walk away. And I'm like, or, you, you didn't like the house that much? I think people see houses as leases. And they're not very committed to them, which is kind of weird. But people see um, negotiations as conflict, and a lot of people don't do conflict. And the other thing is the ones that do like conflict, doing all these electronic docu-signs. It's easy to, there's no pain point to click a docu-sign. But if I say, hey, Sean, you need to come in the office. We're going to do a counteroffer. You gotta leave work, you gotta get in your car, you gotta drive to my office, you gotta meet with me, we gotta do the counter offer, and then I call you back and I say, well, you have to come back in. Mm -hmm. People didn't counter as much because there was more pain point. Well, now people are like, I tell them, I tell them. And so there's a lot more, you know, you might see multiple counters where before you wouldn't. Yeah. So just from a time perspective. Ducky sign's a great thing, but I think it's hurt us in the sense that um, there's some um, loss and it, it, it's real you know we talk, we talk about people um, it's easier to be kind of stealth and be more aggressive you know like and so I think sometimes when people come in and that you can kind of communicate with them what's going on with that offer sometimes they don't take it as offensive mm-hmm. as if you just send it to them yeah so um, but anyway and a lot of times people are signing documents and they don't know what they're signing, so we don't let them do that. We don't just send you a DocuSign and say, hope you understand it. Yeah. We don't do that. So that's kind of a problem. So, um, But the real estate has gotten faster, easier. Um, it's easier to do more transactions, easier to do them well for people. Um, do you think that's allowed um, real estate to become more of a commodity and less of a house as a home type of thing? It's just a house to people. It, 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 well, the difference I see is... When I started, if I went to your house and I was going into someone's um, house, your dad's age, mm-hmm. and I said, "An old man." No, he's not listening. old. He's not old. He is. He's got a lot of gray hair. Mature. So he's mature. He's still working. He's he not retired. He's not retired, but he's still working. Yeah. If I would say to him, you know, Mr. Kirby, do you have a mortgage on your home? He'd say, "Get out of my house," because people paid their homes off in fifteen years, and they would be offended by that question yeah so now I say how many mortgages do you have <laughs> and there's one <laughs> two three yes and the other thing is our appointments used to start in the driveway because we're a GM town and I still drive only GM if you pulled up and you weren't a GM they take it out you never got in the house and so um, and one of my favorite stories I had a, a, a good old boy who wanted to buy this three-quarter million dollar home back in the day when that was a lot of house and uh, waiting 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 he calls me at 10 30 on the pajamas with my family my kids and he's like oh we're running off on that house I said okay I said when do you want to meet and he goes now I said where do you want to meet at and he goes steak and shake okay I said like inside he goes no just doing the trick on the roof of my uh, uh the, the hood of my truck and I said each of there, got my clothes on, ran over to Stakeshay. We wrote an offer for a three-quarter million dollar home on the hood of the guy's truck and signed it. And he's like, okay, we're good. I mean, you know, just things like that. You're just, you just never know. So yeah, we've seen a little bit of everything. So we have seen, I, I go to the schools and talk to the kids about career day, which I love um, from the teaching side of me. 
And the kids always ask the cool questions. They're always like, our house is haunted. Like, what do you see in houses? Our house is haunted. Our that house is, a- is haunted. And What a great question that I would never ask on this. The kids are so awesome. So every year I've kind of done the whole, are the houses haunted thing with the kids, and they love it. Because, you know, they're sitting there, and they're a captive audience, and they're bored. They don't really care about. That's me right now. I'm a captive audience. Yeah, and, and you're like, oh, hopefully you're not bored. Uh-huh. You you know you're like I don't care about real estate but I have to listen to you so I'm like you want to talk about haunted houses and they're like oh yeah um, so and during the recession so let's back up are houses haunted that's a good question I can tell you we I I'm an agent who actually still shows homes yeah. so I'm still actively in homes um, and so I can tell you that houses can have a really crazy vibe to them so whether we call them haunted or not i don't know you've never sold a haunted house however have you ever been in a house with i can tell you i've sold a house that i never ever i've refused to ever go back into why why just well okay i'll tell you the one story okay went to a house and you gotta remember we see houses all the time and nothing ever gets us it was kind of the dusk but it was still plenty of light and you go to the front door it's vacant and i thought I don't want to go in. Like, something's not right. I'm not going in this house. I'm like, that's so stupid. So I'm having this conversation with myself about how dumb this is. So I go, oh, there's a way till the people get here. So they got here. We go through, and the whole time, there's just something that feels really scary. Something feels really weird. I don't know what it is. I'm like, this is stupid. It's just a house. So we go through the main level. I don't even go upstairs. I'm like, go on up. Go on up. I'll just wait. So I'm like, so. I didn't even go upstairs. I'm like, buy this. good luck. I'm like, and I was just trying to kind of get myself like, what is wrong with me? I went down in the creepy basement. I all have creepy basements. Went down the creepy basement. I'm like, Whew. So as we went through the main level, I made sure I turned off every light because I didn't want to have to come back in by myself uh-huh. and turn those lights off. Uh-huh. You do like that little quick step after oh, you turn yeah, the light off? <laughs> and I'm like right behind him. I'm like, hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. Let's get to the door. Let's get to the door. So we're there. And by then, now we're kind of more dusk where we can still see, but it's pretty dark. And so we go out the front door, and they're like, well, let's go check out the back. So we walk around the back, and we turn around, and the whole back of the house is all kind of glass windows. And I look at every light on the main levels on. I'm like, okay. What's that? What is that? And, and they're like, do we need to go in and turn them off? I go, no, we're not turning those lights off. They're going to stay on. I'll come back. <laughs> those people bought that house and never went back in that house. I don't know why. There was something so creepy about that house. I don't know. But they didn't feel it. They didn't feel creeped out at all. Um, and then I had one other house that um, I was with somebody, and um, we were just getting really weird noises from the garage. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. And lights and things were doing weird things with them. And all of us knew. We were all like, this is weird. And so we still all decided we were leaving, and as we were walking, we got right in front of the garage, and this huge noise was so loud, like it felt like it was going to go through the garage at us, and we were all like, we're out of here. We're so scared. So <laughs> there are some creepy houses, but I don't know. Are they haunted or not? Are there squatters in them? Yes. You've had squatters? Oh. Tell me your squatters. During the recession... There was about a foot of fresh snow down where it just snowed, 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 snowed. And it was about 9 in the morning. I'm showing a girlfriend a house in Anderson. We, it's a cute little place vacant. 
go in the front door and I hear this noise I'm like what is going on and so I told her I said hang on wait let's just wait and see what happens here next thing you know we see this guy jump up runs grabs the back door runs out and the squatters were going to these vacant homes and they were using the closets as bathrooms they had bathrooms but they had already used those and filled them but there's no water there's no power so they've been yeah. winterized they're using the closets as their bathrooms i guess because they can shut the door it was disgusting a lot of squatters a lot of um you know houses broke into a lot of things going on or people buying those buying them left and right couldn't get their hands i mean they were always buying them they not selling for very much i assume not if there's poopy closets no they didn't care the poopier the, <laughs> the better the better. better price and we had um <laughs> They don't do this anymore, but they used to do a home tour, which was such a ridiculous thing that they did. So you, the company would list houses, and then you'd spend the day in the car going to see these houses. It's like It was oh, so it's the same thing. So we were at this one house, and apparently the wife had forgot to tell the third shift husband we were coming. Mm. So there's this family room. It's open, and you go up, and there's a loft, and that's where the bedroom was. So... I'm second in line of probably 23 agents behind me. And we're going up, we're kind of giggling and cackling and stuff. And, and all of a sudden, we get up and in the room, we're standing right in front of the bed. When the husband realizes his room is full of people. Oh, no. There we are. Oh, no. So instead of just going, hey, what are you doing? He panics, throws his blankets down, jumps up, he's stark naked. Oh, and he's screaming and he's stark naked. We're screaming at him. He's screaming at us. This goes on for like a minute. And then we're all trying to get down the stairs. And the guy, I, like he, his instincts were so bad he never even covered up. He just stayed in there naked going, ah, like this. And uh, Poor guy. we have found lots of people in the shower. Like someone didn't tell them we were coming. They come out and they're in the shower. Um, many things people leave out that realtors shouldn't see. A lot of private stuff that people <laughs> leave out. Stuff. They shouldn't leave out. And how many houses do you think you've shown in your lifetime? Oh my gosh! Give me a give me a guesstimate. I wouldn't even be able to guess enough. Because that's forty oh not forty thirty years in the business. Yeah. So gosh, I don't even know. I don't even. I, I wish I would have went back and counted how many we've sold over the years. It's been a lot, but um, I don't know. I mean, on average, maybe we're showing twenty to forty houses a week. Depends on the week. Um, so I don't know over a long time, but back in the day when I showed that many houses in a week. So it's like 2,000 a year times 30, 30 mm-hmm. times 2 is 60, 60,000 houses? Probably. I mean, a lot. I mean, a lot of houses. So of the 60,000, how many were smooth transactions? A third of that? <laughs> think about it. I mean, like, real estate is a very volatile business. And See, to me, I, to me, I, I think of things differently, like, like when people are like, oh my gosh, it was so stressful. And I was like, oh. You were thinking 12 steps ahead. Go back I'm to like, it wasn't stressful for me at all. Like I, to me, so to me, I'm always predicting we're going to have inspection issues, predicting we might have appraisals or we might have the loan officer may need these things. So to me, that's not stress. Stress to me is like, oh, someone died in the middle of the transaction or we're supposed to be closing and the guy's in the jail because he was drunk the night before. You had that? We had that. Him Just one? Him and his boss. All day long, they lied to us about where they were, and I'm like, you got to tell me where you're at. Even if it's not somewhere you, you want to be. You just have to tell me. And he's, you like, were, yeah. he's, like, he's like, okay. You got the call. It's from the Madison County Collections. Well, the wife was calling. 
So I didn't know where he was at. She was like, oh, he's delayed, he's delayed. He's like, I can finally go, you have to tell me where you're at. And they're like, well, he was all swamp drinking last night, and they're both in jail. And I said, okay, I just needed to know where we're at, so now we know what to deal with. Um, so we've had that. We've had people in jail. We've had, you know, people get sick in the middle of transactions. Do you ever have couples get divorced while they're trying to buy something? I've had a husband trying to hit his wife in front of me. Jesus. Yeah, I stopped him. And um, she was a little, God bless you. little tiny gal, and he was fiery mad. And so, okay, so real estate will bring out your weaknesses. So uh, they've done research for some people, it's the same stress as losing a spouse. Oh, wow. So for me, I could buy and sell all day and it wouldn't stress me at all. But for some, it's high stress. For some, it's medium. Some, it's low. Yeah. So these people, it usually brings out your weakness. So if you're someone who breaks out in hives, you'll break out in hives. If you're a puker, you're going to puke. If you're a panicker, you're going to panic. Whatever is your weakness, you'll probably feel that intensity. So this guy just... He He didn't have great qualities to begin with. No, he was getting ready to hit her. And I just happened to just be walking by and I grabbed his fist. Because I am Irish, so, you know, we have... A little you know, fight. Yeah. Your mother-in-law and I, we've, we've had a little fun in our lifetime uh-huh. together. So, anyway, Amy playing Moore basketball. Lock. Amy Morlock. We've had a few on the basketball court. We've had not against each other, but with each other. I wouldn't um, piss her off. Exactly. Exactly. I, I wouldn't piss anyone off. They all scare me. Exactly. Well, so anyway, so, you know, stuff like that where you have, I don't know, there's just, you got to remember, we're getting in people's life. Oh, yeah. So you just had a baby. I did. And it's stressful. And it's happy. And it's, like, new. And it's exciting. And it's all these things. Mm -hmm. And then add a bunch of things onto it. Oh, we're buying a new house. And, oh, there's inspection problems. And, oh, she's going to have the baby on Tuesday. And we're not going to get the house until Saturday. And, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen. Yeah. And it adds and adds and adds. And then the people are like, oh. And then you have ones that are so easy and so simple. That's how I am. My wife's opposite. No offense, Casey, if you're listening, but she gets stressed out over the smallest things. I, similar to you, just how many transactions that truly go right. not according to plan. You plan for the not according to plan things, and and you adjust. To so me, everything's not ever worry about anything. Everything's fixable, fixable, but it doesn't mean that we want to fix it. Some yeah. things we want to say, this is just a bad house, so we just need to move on. Mm-hmm. And some are like, hey, let's do this. So, um, you know. In the real estate business, we have some of the, some of our very best friends are realtors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have probably a hundred really close colleagues that I love. We all work for different companies, and that's been the fun thing. I mean, to this day, they'll call me and say, "Hey, I'm having trouble pricing the house. Will you help me?" Yeah, absolutely. Or, "Hey, um, one of our friends had cancer." and was dying and I did I showed houses for her did open houses for her we were super close so there's still a lot of camaraderie with the agents who choose to be come you know uh, close with each other um, and there's a lot of um, good interactions and people that you enjoy working with that um, are in your same company mm-hmm. and we just we have some of the best friends and um, it's been a lot of fun so 30 years 60,000 houses that's a lot of experience. Um, so that being said, you're now, and I'm not going to say twilight, but your perpetuation has now entered the business. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick and Leanne Rogers, follow mm-hmm. them on TikTok probably. Mm-hmm. Um, 
They're, they're hilarious. A, they're a fun group. They're hilarious. Um, both teachers originally, mm-hmm. both yeah. athletes. Nick yeah. is the tallest human being in the town of Pendleton. If you put him back to back with Joey Miller, it'd be close. I'm not Size sure 18 it, shoes. So for you guys out there. That's Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. He's he's a giant he's human. Big. He's a giant human. All state 2000. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how old he is. Yeah. 2006 or something. Um, great people show. And Jennifer. then you also have Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth was a valedictorian for Pendleton. I did not know that. Um, That's, that comes from that brain's um, doctorate side. Yes, and she was going to go to Notre Dame, and then um, they ended up going to Purdue because her husband swam for Purdue. So you had Nick was Division One, Patrick was Division One, I was Division We've got a few Division One people in our house, mm-hmm. so we're kind of a lot of high achievers. But Elizabeth um, uh, went to Purdue, and then they moved to Colorado to pursue his career. And when she was in Colorado, she started working for a company. And so she's just the brains of the operation. So give it to the smartest person in the room. She's mm-hmm. the brains. Never pretend you're the smartest person in the room. No. There's somebody much smarter. That really is. Yeah. And she, we know she is. We're not sure whose child she is, but she's smart. And so, uh, and Leanne is very smart too, but we let Elizabeth do the more detailed kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so she's happy. She wants to be an admin, so she's always going to be admin. And then Leanne and Nick, they, uh, Leanne knew in high school she was going to sell real estate. And her senior year, she did a co-op program with us, and she didn't want to get her degree. She's like, Mom, I'm coming to work for you. And I'm like, not till you get your degree. Yeah. So she taught for a few years. We kind of pushed her out, and then um, now she's back where she belongs. But they kill it. They are... Uh, they are so good. And uh, the difference is, we have a different feeling about our clients. I mean, I love the Enterprise story, Enterprise Car Rental. I don't know. You need to watch their story. But, yeah. and it's kind of like the Chick-fil-A thing. It's all about service. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I would rather do five less deals and have a really good service than just be a puppy mill. You know, like for us, it's the service. And so, I still only will rent from rent from Enterprise and that's what I like and I love their service mm-hmm. um, and so anyway so we've kind of taught the kids the same thing that you know people are not a transaction they are it's a real estate deal so um, when I, I went to get my eyes checked yesterday and the lady's like oh my gosh Leah was my realtor she's so incredible and I'm like that's how you want them to feel mm-hmm. that they've had a great experience people my age I'm 54 and have been selling this long they don't want to sell anymore they just want to manage. But I don't want to manage. I want to sell. Yeah. Because I want to be with the people. Yeah. I want to experience if, you know, you've had a new baby and we're buying a new house or whatever you're doing. That is where I'm a people person. So if I'm not with the people, I'm dying on the vine. I don't yeah. want to be out just running it. So that's what Elizabeth does. Um, and so anyway, it works. But Nick and Leanne, oh my gosh, whether they're together selling or they're by themselves, they're hilarious. People love them, and, and they're doing a great job. So How long had... So who joined first, Elizabeth or Leanne? Leanne. Leanne did? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't realize that. Le- well, Leanne was pursuing us in high school. So she's... I mean, these kids have been in and out of real estate. Well, like you said before, they were calling on fireplaces in your class houses. And they heard it. You know, like you've heard it with your dad. Mm-hmm. You've heard it, heard it, heard it. You know so much you don't even already know you know. Yeah, you spew it out on accident half the time. Absolutely. It's the same words. It's, it's just... The same, it's, you can't even you can't even buy that kind of experience what you've listened to. And so... Um, just as good as a four-year degree half the time. Yeah. So they... They both kind of got truly in it about the same time and and just have totally different responsibilities. 
So, um, you know, you've got two daughters, a son-in-law, a husband, and me, five family members in one company. And um, just like yesterday, uh, we were having a, a, we had an impromptu meeting in Leanne's office, and then we all went to lunch together. And it's kind of like when I see you out with your dad and people here in the office, and you just enjoy being together. And then we go to lakes together every weekend. We take our vacations together. Like, we are together kind of 24-7 family. Yeah. We love it. And uh, so anyway, and we put layers in place. We kind of talked about that. So people answer to different people. So... I don't have to go tell Tim what to do. And Tim doesn't <laughs> you wait till you get home to do me. that. Yeah. yeah. No. And so we have layers between us. So everyone reports to a staff member. And so it just, I mean, you know, Tim and I will go to lunch and he'll say, how's your day going? Because we're in the same office, but everybody's in their private office doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Taking so, care of business. Taking care of business. So you don't necessarily know. Um, you know, Nick, um, Nick and I are so, so close. Um, and if no one's ever been around him, he's just the kindest human in the world. But and there's two Nick Rogers. Let's talk about that. In Remax Real Estate. In Remax. So the Anderson um, Remax company is owned by Nick Rogers. Um, spells his name different. And he's definitely not as tall as our Nick. And yeah, uh, he's not. And then there's our Nick Rogers. So we've had a couple people call and make an appointment with the other Nick Rogers. Nobody gets there. And he goes, um, we've made a mistake. We're not wanting to work with you. We want to work with that's, that Nick Rogers. Oh, that's so anyway, so that's been a little weird thing. But um, anyway, you can't mistake which Nick Rogers you're with. So no, he's truly one of a kind. But they eventually, I mean, Tim and I will continue to be owners and run the company. We'll continue to sell. We still have a lot of years left in us to do that. Um, and they all already work and act like owners. They make all the decisions with us. So. Um, of course, Nick named us the Elite because mm-hmm. you know our thing has to be basketball. Not that we're the Elite, but that's our name. So, so we have the meetings, and we don't make any decisions without the oh, kids oh, making yeah. them because it's going to be their business one day. Heck yeah! So it's kind of neat because the people that are working with us, who like to work with Tim and me, or like to work with the kids, it'll continue to be the family business. Mm-hmm. So it won't be like, oh, I worked with you, and then oh, you guys are gone. So, um, and I think the other thing that's really important, um, because we all know a lot of the same people, so sometimes their friends work with me, which is kind of unusual. And sometimes my friends say, would you be mad if I had my daughter work with Leanne? And I'm like, no. So in our office, we don't pick and choose who people work with. We, um, people got to choose the realtor they work with. Yeah. And then everybody works them. You know, we don't do buyer's agency. We just do buyer-seller. One agent takes care of whatever you need. Um, I think it just makes a good relationship situation. So um, so it's really funny how people um, will say, you know, I think my daughter and your daughter would work good. And we're like, perfect, set them up. Um, so it's worked out great. It's been a pretty comforting feeling to have them yeah. both enjoy it and be there. They love it. And if they didn't, it would make it hard. Yeah, because then you try to figure out what the next plan is. Perpetuation is on top of mind for a lot of business owners now, especially if you look at locally, um, whether they're family businesses or not. I think perpetuation is always on everybody's mind. Well, if you've never been with a family of realtors, realtors when you're on vacation, you've never seen anything. We're all like, 
shut everyone up, shut down, shut down, shut down. We're all gonna stop, we're gonna take 15 minutes, we're gonna call our clients. And they're like, okay, continue on. Because you have to, even if we're on vacation, we're working. So Tim and I just went to Fort Myers. We sold four houses while we were in Fort Myers on vacation. So, and people always like, we feel so bad, but we're like, well, that's how it works. You know, we're we're still. So it's kind of that same situation. When we're all together, we're all like, shut down. Everybody shut down. Kids quiet. And then do our work. And then we go back to enjoying ourselves, which is fun. So anyway, but. Yeah, so, and Nick, um, you know, Nick has some creative, Leanne and Nick have some super creative ideas and some super um, neat things, and I think um, their heart, they both have the kindest, sweetest hearts, and, you know, I'll see someone post on Facebook that Nick hand wrote the coolest note to some young kid or something, they just, yesterday we went to Hacienda, I'm going to tell on Nick a little bit, and there was a group of kids who... Or I don't know, I don't know what age they're junior seniors, and they must have been having their e-learning day off, and he bought all their lunches, you know, and didn't tell them, you know. It's just like, but his heart is so good like that. I love it. So they'll do good one day when they eventually take over and kick us out, but they have a few years before that. So yeah, they have plenty of time. Plenty of time. They're, we're not leaving anytime soon. So well, it's got to be a breath of fresh air to have that realization kind of all coming at once, yeah. especially the fresh new ideas. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Keeps you young. So that's what I've noticed with um, our businesses. Mm-hmm. The engagement mm-hmm. has caused Dad to engage at a higher level than he has absolutely. before yeah. I was back in the office. So it's it's got to be reinvigorated. Go out there and sell some. I think it houses. really helps. Like, I'm a big-time communicator, and... It's good for me to remind that generation that people still like communication other than just texting and email. And it's good for them to remind me, hey, don't do too much or it's going to annoy you. So I think the combination is good. We have pretty much every age bracket covered. You know, if I have someone who, you know, is maybe um, a seasoned person who wants a seasoned agent, they may not want to work with somebody in their 30s, even though Leanne's got more experience than most realtors do. Um, and there may be someone who's 22 that doesn't want to work with someone who's 50. You know, so the nice thing is they have an option, and people can pick who they want to work with, which is really, which is great. Mm-hmm. And then um, the legal side and the contract side, which I love, um, and it's funny because I do a lot of transactions, and it's no put down to anybody that, Almost every transaction, the realtor I'm working with, a cooperative realtor, will say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what form to use. How do I fill that out? And usually they'll say, why don't you fill it out and just send it to me? I'll say, do you know how to do that? Well, I really don't. Okay, let's. So, you know, to get the transaction done, sometimes I have to teach another realtor who works for another brand or another company how to do the transaction to finish it. And so, um, so sometimes maybe people haven't had the same training, or in our job, there's no way you could train someone for everything that's going to come up. Yeah. There's so many what-ifs, this, what-if-that's. takes 60,000 transactions to even have the expertise and have the time under the belt to understand And, like, the colleagues that I'm super good, I have about five of us that have been around quite a while. We will call each other and say, okay, no, there's no way 
you've, you've, seen, you've ever seen this. And, we're, and we'll be like, has anyone ever heard of this? So there's no, like, some people are really afraid to not know. If a client throws something at me and I don't know, I'm like, we're going to have to call some people because we're going to find out because I don't know. Um, and then it's a great learning. But um, a lot of people are just afraid to, to not know. Yeah. I'm like, well, in, in a society that you can have every piece of knowledge at your fingertip and have a second, you don't have to know. I no. don't have to know anything. No. no. I find it interesting being young and in business. Um, I don't know anything. It's part of the reason that I do these is to know more about one people mm-hmm. and more about what they do. Right. Um, because truly, I don't know much, and I'm not going to ever tell you that I'm the smartest person in the world. Ever. Yeah. The only people that think that are my boys at the, on the wrestling team because you have to have a certain level of higher power. You can't let them know that you don't know That's what's right. going on most of the time. I grew up watching wrestling, so I probably know way too much about wrestling. It's so a fun sport. It's it a, is. It's, um, it's a true testament of one's will and determination. Yes. Um, whatever this, you know, it's a pretty close contact sport. So right. we had our parents meeting yesterday and you kind of go through, I mean, it's, it's COVID season, as they say. So. And you're wrestling. It's, it's close contact. So it's inside. It's There's obviously a lot of variables. Everybody's trying to stay safe. Mm-hmm. The schools are doing what the schools do. And um, so we'll, we'll take it one day at a time. Move forward. And you know when you've had like, parents who have wrestled, you have people who have, and they're like, well, I've wrestled. I'm a watchy boy. You know, like, you know, you kind of have some of those. We have it in real estate. I'll have somebody who will call and say, listen, I'm the CEO of this company in Boston and da 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 and everything you do is going to be ran past my attorney and I said oh thank you that's going to be so helpful if I make any mistakes please let me know um because people get kind of protective of their you know like that's my child's first home or you know my mom I'm not sure she's capable of making decisions and people get kind of protective and we're like bring them all to the closing you know bring bring the attorneys bring everyone everyone look at it and uh now, we've had some pretty rough divorces where we go to closing and we've got everybody in different rooms lawyered up and sure. no one's talking and <laughs> we have to make sure one leaves and escorted before the next one leaves. So, we, I mean, there's a lot of, sometimes the buyer and seller aren't talking by the time we go to closing and so there's, has been some conflict and stuff. So, um, and I think some of it is just over... I think sometimes if we could get everyone together and communicate, a lot of it would be diffused pretty quickly mm-hmm. because I think it gets misinterpreted. And it, and so I think sometimes the texting and the emails, it's hard to interpret their intent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. anyway, but um, and we've seen it all. And we have seen it all. It's the best job in the world. Um, if I had it to do over, I started my career in teaching the only career that probably would have tempted me would have been to be a, a, a courtroom lawyer um, that would have been fun um, but I we love our job um, we definitely found a place even Tim with his design engineer he spends about half his day selling and half his day just doing the computer part and um, pictures videos that kind of stuff um, and he's real tech savvy as far as that goes so he's been incredible and uh, Tim is probably one of the most generous humans I've ever been around. When we went through that recession, somebody would come in and the electricity's get shut off. They're going to have to sell their homes. So 
and Tim would sneak out the door and be down at the um, electric company paying all their utility bills. And never knew. No, no one ever knew. He's just a generous, you know, he made all that money through Pendleton uh, Fire and Ambulance. He donated all that money away because he says, how do you get paid to volunteer? You know, he's just a kind, generous person and uh, more quiet, more reserved, but he's always thinking. And um, um, he's just a great guy. So we've been really fortunate to have him not working at General Motors anymore. So, and, and you know, you think he had a great job. Yep. At General Motors, and he had a great salary, but you know he does better so here. But um, and I think for him, um, we still have a few people who like to work with a man instead of a woman, and that's okay with us. And so usually we work on those together. So sometimes people prefer; they just have a preference. Or sometimes you have a lady who just had an abusive husband situation that wouldn't work with a woman. You know, you get you get about all kinds. So it takes all know, types. It takes all types. So, but now I will tell you, we played pranks on Tim all day long. I know. We're, we're, you guys ended up on um, Family Feud. Family Feud, not Family Feud. Ian and Nick ended up on uh, American Funniest Home Video. That's what it's called. Yeah. They are. They're just fun. And so Tim is always being pranked. Always and. Well, it helps when all you have is pranksters. <laughs> and so we will all come up with, and Nick is always being pranked. And, and poor Nick, in one of our staff meetings, we pranked uh, Nick's entire family, and it was so bad. So we had the whole office involved in it, and anyway, so there's a lot of pranking going on. you got to have some fun because it can be really stressful. It can burn people out pretty quick. Your business probably is the same way. And Melanie, who's been with us 13 years, most, most admins don't last that long because it's a, it's a tough business. It's stressful, mm-hmm. um, and she's, you know... Her son was um, like four when she came to work for us, and he's graduating this year. You know, I mean, it's like she's been with us a long time, so we're kind of all about the family thing. So anyway, yeah. And then Tim redid our that old video to go building, and um, I mean, we took out everything, the structure, everything, and rebuilt that. And he did all the hand woodwork and stuff. So he's got so many gifts and talents, and. Um, we spend a lot of time there. So during the tornado, our office was used as kind of a place to bring yeah. the trucks in and stuff. And so um, it's been used for different things. So that is, um, if you look at it from an outsider's perspective, you guys have been pretty much a beacon within the Pendleton community for a long time. Talk about how much community in Pendleton means to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, like we talked earlier, you guys did have a second location, but you've always left, never left home, truly. No. no. So, you know, it's funny because um, I grew up right here on Broadway, and Tim grew up on Tile Street, um, and we've lived in town. Um, our family could have lived, you know, there's a lot of beautiful neighborhoods, there's a lot of great places to live. And with him with fire station, it, we have to live within a one to two minute radius of fire station. So our family's always sacrificed in that sense that serving the community has been, and wherever we can live that we're close enough to serve the community is important. Um, we've coached every team, we've sponsored every team. Um, you know, when I show up to all the town board meetings and go to all these little things, 
it's so important to us that we want the town to grow, we want to maintain the character, and we want to maintain the history, but we want to grow at the same time. Um, we just wouldn't live anywhere else. And we have a lake house, and we go there on the weekends, and it's our second home, but it doesn't feel like home. You know, you go to Florida and you come home, it just feels like home. So we give a lot of our time, we give a lot of our money, and we give a lot of our efforts to the community because this means everything to us. Um, and so, you know, some of the icon teachers and some of the people who, you know, when you have a past teacher call and say, I'm getting ready to die, I need you to take care of me, I need you to take care of my family, and after I'm gone, I want you to always take care of my wife. And I have that lady right now, and when she calls, when she emails, no matter what she does, I'm going to take care of her forever because I've been asked to. So there's some, you know, um, we had an icon in the community that um, we stepped in and made sure their house didn't go foreclosure um, because we didn't want them to go out that way. We wanted to make sure um, that no one knew they were in financial trouble. So there's a lot of people who have done a lot of really cool things for the community and whatever we can do to give back. And, and it's not even a giving back. I, I hate to even use that word because you can never repay someone for who they were to you. Like Kurt Call. I mean, he's such an icon in the community and he's so an icon for my husband. How, how do you ever repay a Kurt Call? You just don't for the influence and the mentoring and you know, a John Rhodes and a Mary Ruth Farthing and some of these people you can never, I mean, we, we're corporate sponsors. At the high school, we don't get any business out of that. We're doing it because that school gave everything to us. And so we're there and we're helping. So, um, you know, we live in a special community and we have a lot of new people and that's exciting. But we still have a lot of our same people that have been here. And all really people want is relationship, a good quality of life. You know, like I tell our town board and I tell our town manager, I'm selling your town every day. Mm-hmm. Why is a Fisher person want to come in here? Why is a Noblesville person want to come in here? And I can tell you if our town's off kilter or not. We have so many resources and assets that no other community has. And so people buy lifestyles, they don't buy homes. And so they're coming here because the lifestyle they have doesn't work for them anymore. Maybe they had more kids, maybe the traffic's too busy or whatever. They want a new lifestyle. And so Pendleton is an option for a lifestyle that they want to change. You know, do you want to live in town? Do you want to live in the country? It's a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, um, we've enjoyed that. We're, um, you know, we're involved in the conversation with the um, the new construction. That's a big worry for everybody. I'm super proud of our town manager for stepping in and saying, hey, hey, let's slow things down. Let's figure out what we're doing as far as the rules and regulations of what companies are coming in because they didn't have a cross the board they didn't, they didn't have a set and they want to get a set thing that's equal and, and everything across the board so we're going to see growth we're going to see good growth um, I think that's a positive thing and and we're short on housing we are short just a few years ago we used to have 45 signs in the yard at all times now you think oh that's exciting you have 45 homes no that means 45 homes are selling yeah and so, um, and now if you're keeping three or four signs in the yard, you know, um, it would be unusual. Um, so like right now there's only 45 homes for South Hamilton mm-hmm. in the whole school system. Like, that's not very many. When I used to have 45 signs myself in the yards. 
So, um, you know, we need the housing for sure. Absolutely. And I do worry that we're going to get in a situation where our people who graduate from here can't live here, that the housing is going to get too expensive. My hopes there is that you and I or other Pendleton businesses can learn to employ these people and give them good enough opportunities to stay here and actually afford to live here. Right. I think that there's an availability and then there's obviously a talent pool of amazing young people. Oh. And between, you know, I've had these conversations with more and more people, the, the thing we're all missing is good qualified talent because they all want to go to university, but not everybody needs that. Right. Not everybody should do that. Our number one... Like our generation, they all refinanced their homes and put their student loans on their homes. And then either sold their homes and paid it off or foreclosed on their homes and paid it off. And, you know, they got rid of their student loans in one way or another, whether they paid them or all these different avenues. You know, you look at the younger generation that are hitting 30 and 35, they still have student loans they can't pay off. Well, their student loans cost three times what their house costs. Right. So it's hard to build that into a refinance. Big and well, yeah. There's no and there's nothing you can do. So those are big things to deal with and stuff. But um, you know, I always tell people that when they're looking at it, I used to teach some of the Dave Ramsey classes because I love um, the whole Dave Ramsey thought. And uh, there was a program for the high school kids that I taught called Generation Change that Rachel um, Ramsey did, and. Like, no one's really taught anybody how to handle money. And so, you know, it would be kind of cool. It might be something that we think about. It would be kind of cool to have someone kind of, it needs to be kind of a package. Like, this is part of your investment. Like, I'd love for people to think of real estate as an investment again. You know, like, paid for real estate is exciting. That's, I think, a very exciting thing to have. And so, um, you could have some paid for real estate. You could have some investments. You can have your 401ks, however you want to be a little more diversified um, and um, but I think having some paid for real estate is not a bad thing um, and I think people don't even think of having paid for real estate anymore I would say so if you got on TikTok right now you see all these real estate investors mm-hmm. that are they're, they're wholesaling houses they're whatever they're doing right, right. now they're, they're just trying to show kids you can flip a buck flip right. a buck flip, right. flip a, a buck there's a lot of people that rent. There's a lot of people that need these housing. A lot of people get burned right. by renters. Right. Commercial real estate, from a, a rental standpoint, the heck's that going to do? It's And we were just talking about lunch yesterday. We're very nervous for that. So, so in the same standpoint, paid for real estate makes sense. There's also the negative aspects of any investment. Mm-hmm. Stock market takes a dip. Right. You're, you're still in a bad place, but... Money over time. That's the thought process. If you put all your eggs in one basket, that basket fails, that basket fails. But money over time should make money. You hope so. Well, and I think if we can get away from just thinking like, when we think of our house as a lease, that means we didn't improve it. Like, when we improve our homes is when we sell them. And so, like, used to be we see like maybe one to 3,000 in repairs. One, we might see three to 15,000 repairs because one, some people have it, don't have any skills. They, they don't know how to change electrical. You I gotta think, hire it all out, man. Yeah, you it's gotta hire 40, it out. 40 grand to redo your kitchen. It's a lot. Where like my husband would do it all and so what would cost you 300 would cost me $3. You know, like, so there's a difference there. And then, um, so then when we go to sell them, we've gotta do a lot of repairs. 
And so then you had uh, $10,000 on profit, and now you have five because we did some repairs um, because of some maintenance stuff and everything. So um, goes back to the skill set. We need the vocations back so kids do have some more skill sets. And we have a lot of talented people who have a lot of skill sets, but we have a few that don't know how to do it at, at all ages. Um, but that kind of eats into your, you know, houses and paint and things like that. It eats into your profits mm-hmm. where, you know, you want to you wanna do that. So um, I like, I'm, I'm kind of the all of, all of the above girl. I want to see you own some real estate. I want to see you have some good investments. I want to see you, you know, have your money working hard for you. Um, I like the security feeling of having to pay for a home. You know, it just feels like, hey, if, if, all, if the world falls apart, you know, pay for a home. There's some security in that. Um, and some people will never own a home, and that's okay. That's their choices. However, however them and their investors kind of work on their portfolio. But um, I think sometimes they don't own a home not because it was planned to not not part of a financial plan, but Life just happens. because it was kind of always. And it's, it truly is an asset. So you look at your asset, you can always pull cash out of an asset, especially two point nine rates. Why would you pull your money out of your house? And go make eight percent of the stock market. That's not what I'm saying to do, but right, right. But the, the, there's different avenues to leverage things. Well, and Tim and I said, you know, we have a lot of rentals, and we have our house and our lake house and stuff. And we always said we are turnkey, meaning like if the world came to an end, everything went crazy, we could turn the key and go work at any minimum wage job, and we would be fine because we've kind of set up our risk factor. And so I think. Um, our risk factor is low yeah. as far as that goes. So I think that there's some comfort in that. Um, but, you know, buying a house is, I mean, I had a couple who was 85 years old who got a 30-year mortgage, and they couldn't pay cash for it. And I said, what are you doing? And they, they wanted a four-bedroom with their master upstairs, and they're 85. Good for them. And I said, well, what are you doing? And they said, look, the minute you start saying, I can't walk the stairs, the minute you start saying, I can't mow my yard, the minute you start saying, oh, I'm going to die, so I might as well pay. She said, we got a 30-year mortgage. We'll let the kids deal with it. They can pay it off later, but we we just want to come in. And, you know, there's no age discrimination, so you can get a 30-year loan. So they had gotten a 30-year loan on this house, and, uh, you know, they're past now. But they were so healthy, and, so, and they were healthy because of their attitude. And I think um, that's the fun thing. For them, they wanted what they wanted. You know, some people are like, why did they retire and then buy a huge house? Well, because that's what they want, and they can afford it, so why not if that's what you want? Um, or people want to downsize or move to Florida or wherever they're going to go. So, um, you know, I always just say, if a, house, if a house doesn't make you happy, it's not a home. You know, if someone forces you or you kind of get talked into a house, um because you panic and you think, oh, there's no houses, so I'll settle for this. You're never going to like it. Yeah, the market kind of forces people into that sometimes, too. It's, um, it, it's, it's a difficult balance, so that's why having a realtor is um, well, very it's, important to kind of guide you on that transaction. And it, it, it's even further than that because it's like, I have to sell my house, but then where am I going to go? Because you're going to sell your house, but your house may, it's probably not even on the market yet. That what you're gonna buy, yeah. and so and trying not to panic and buy something you're not gonna be happy with, because you're never gonna be happy with it if you don't like it. Mm-hmm. So it is. So, um, and Tim and I have bought a lot of real estate in our lifetime, and I love it. I love to buy it. Um, he, you know, we've kind of 
slowed down on that. We'll see if he, he's always trying to get me to buy something, but we've kind of slowed down on that. But we've, we have bought and redone more houses than we care to talk about. But, um, you know, it's fun. It's exciting. You know, you get a house that's kind of needs some lipstick and rouge. That's a great house, you know. When you don't have to deal with the bone, you just kind of put the pretty stuff on it. That's a lot of fun. And you can make a ton of money on that. So, um, but if you don't buy right, we know you make your money on the buy side, not on the sell side. Because mm -hmm. you don't know what the market's gonna be on the sell side. So you make your money on the buy side. Um, and so, and you have to, you know, I listen to Dave Ramsey, he says, he, he's a big real estate guy. He said, I'll look at 100 homes before I buy one. Because not all of them are good deals. No. Not in a market like this, if you're on the if you're on the buy side and you're trying to flip something, so no. But what's going to happen? COVID. We've had some people who are not paying their mortgages. Yeah, how soon before all that turns back around on people? So I don't know. I don't know exactly. Um, you know, we've had so many people who like, you know, didn't get paid or um, had half pay or something, and the mortgage company said, "Hey, we'll let you." Um, do these programs so are they going to put it on the end of the loan and let it be good or are they going to say oh now you're six months behind well that's what they've done with student loans now is they just well I mean government back but they just deferred it to the back end of the loan right which I think is the right way to do it because they are government backed and that's the one who's doing it I mean, these loans aren't, but you're going to put people in a financial strain right. otherwise. Unless well, you want another bunch of houses on the market that are foreclosed on us. I don't know what you're going to do. And if anybody is in trouble with their, and, and did do a program, um, and gets threatened with foreclosure, and if you can't pay it, the one thing I can tell you is having to do a short sale is better long-term on your credit than having to do a foreclosure. Um you don't want to do either if you don't have to, but um, you want to you want to minimize how bad your credit's going to be ruined for how long, because probably most of these homes could be sold, and that problem could go away. Even if you don't want to sell it, you probably could sell it and make that problem go away of owing the bank. Yeah. Um, and we dealt with that during the recession, you know. So, um, I mean, we've I've sold when rates were ten percent, and should we? Yeah. And celebrated when FHA was seven and a half percent, and now we're in two point seven five. You know, most of them, and you know, the government actually affected our loans to slow them down because the government couldn't handle more. I mean, they the rates would be lower, but the government had to say, hey, 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 we can't even handle anymore, so we're gonna actually stagger it just a little stagger bit. a little bit so we don't get so many. Um, but we have veterans out there; they need to be using their VA loans. Um, and in Pendleton, USDA, using the housing loans. I mean, people need to be doing that stuff. But um, people just aren't using the resources that are out there. I see so many veterans aren't using all their property um, uh, for your property taxes, taking all their disability exemptions and stuff off. And there's so many little things they're not doing that can save them some money. So, um, But, you know, I do think it would be nice if, as part of, um, what they do, they could have more conversation over planning of their money and stuff. You know what I mean? That's what mm -hmm. you guys do. Mm -hmm. um, and not just, oh, we're buying a house, but we don't have any retirement. We don't have any. Which the majority of people do it that way. And that's hip. I, I don't know what the word you would say is. Um, 
this world is not the same it was when you got into the business in the 90s in the sense of social media has affected the um, keeping up with the Joneses to even a higher standpoint right, right. to where the Joneses are buying brand new properties right. and I can see it online versus down the road or hear it from my neighbor. And that truly has affected people's long-term wealth, truly, because they're socking it all into a monthly pay. But that's like, you know, when dad got in the business and moved here, started selling life insurance, and you're calling on Geist homes who don't have any furniture in them. Right. And you go, people just right. want the big house. They don't care about, they just got to make the big They want the address. They want the and address. I've heard people that move places just for the zip code. Just for the zip code. And the other thing that I, I look at this and I go, okay, so like my parents' generation left an inheritance. The next generation leaves le- debt. Is, has been leaving an inheritance. So my age bracket, the let's say 45 to 55-year-old people, are they going to have inheritance to leave? It does really set up the next generation. I mean, it's even in the Bible. It says you're supposed to leave for um, your children and your children's children, which is interesting that even God says it in the Bible to do that. So what happens when um, there's no inheritance? Like, you know, you see that. You see that boost, and they're like, oh, good. We can pay off our student loans. We can pay off our, not that good that our parents died or good or anything like that, but oh, we have a boost to pay off our home or pay off our whatever, invest money or have a retirement money or whatever we do. But now we're going to start seeing some people not have that money or not have paid for homes. It's not uncommon to have a home that is owes more than it's worth when someone passes now. We've yeah. never seen that before. And so it's kind of like, you know... So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. We're all here for it, right? And you're hoping your parents live a long time. You know, you want your parents to live. You yeah, don't want to you know, have to do that. But I do wonder how that affects long-term the finances of the next generation. It's compounding in some aspects. Mm-hmm. But then again, this this younger generation, we have more at our fingertips than anyone ever has. Ever. So we have no excuse not to be ever. anything that we want to be. The biggest thing is using your education for the right reasons. So, um, Julie, we've been in here for an hour and a half. I truly, no, I'm not going to go on for another hour and a half. I think real estate's one of those businesses that um, people need to be educated on. They need to have somebody that can advise them during their the process of it. Um, I think you guys do a great job of staying local, being a leader in the community. Your perpetuation, your kids being part of it, it it's, it's exciting to see from my standpoint. So on behalf of me and all the people um, of Pendleton, we really appreciate you being in the community. Thank you for sitting Thanks down for with doing. me. Appreciate Tim, it. it was nice to meet you. Yes. Um, if you guys are watching the video, Tim is still not in here. We're waiting. I'm sure he's on fire on somewhere. Taking a shower. Yeah. <laughs> see you guys. Thank you.